What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is a Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, I am joined by a cat field technician. Um, I've been getting bugged quite a bit about getting a cat guy on. So, uh, finally got somebody to come over and uh, lay down a podcast with me. I'm, I'm joined by Timothy Gentry, also known as Skeeter. Um, nobody knows who Tim is, right? No. <laughs> um I, I just had to put that out there because he's got a great story on how he got the name Skeeter. Um, how did you get that name? Uh, well, when I was born, I was uh, all arms and legs, and uh, <laughs> my dad said, well, look at there. It's, it looks like a Skeeter, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how long have you been a Caterpillar technician? I've been uh, with two different cat dealers uh, for over 10 years. Okay. Um I kind of I want to get into where you started and how you ended up where you're at because I know you're not from this town originally, and or, I'm sorry, North Texas originally. Um, so I kind of want to let everybody know how you got to where you're at and uh, what you're doing now. So where'd you start out at? I was out in West Texas, um, south of the uh, Midland Odessa area. Um, we um, Lived out there, uh, old field family. Um, we worked on race cars growing up, and when I finally had to get a real job, I started working for a father-son rental company. They rented light towers and generators, man lifts, stuff to oil field companies and operations and stuff like that. Uh, graduated high school and went to college. Um, that was short-lived. I uh, had a full academic scholarship, and I wasted that because I could not stand sitting in class and mm. I wanted to go to work no shit you had a scholarship mm-hmm. for for what'd you get a scholarship for um they call it the um the car scholarship um for Angelo State University mm. um they it was just an academic scholarship based on my grades okay um I applied for it and I got it it was a full four-year scholarship no shit yeah but did you, you said you couldn't sit on your ass, no. so you didn't finish it? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I couldn't wait to go to, go to uh, work and make some money instead of sitting there listening to some guy talk about space and dark matter and stuff that was never going to matter to me. What uh, what were you going to go to college for? Or um, what did you go to college for? <clears throat> business management. Okay. Um, I was actually going to start my own mechanics business, oh. um, but I wanted the degree to go go with it. Uh, early on in life, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Um, turned out I didn't have the stomach for that. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <clears throat> huh. But uh, I, I, I got married right out of high school uh, while we were in college, and um, we moved up to Lubbock. Um, during this time, I was a tool technician at Home Depot. Oh. Um, so we moved up to Northwest Texas um, to be with family and uh, worked there for a little while. And then I, I went and worked for a uh, multi-equipment brand dealer. Time out. What is a tool technician at Home Depot? So they have a, <laughs> a rental department. Oh, and, okay. And um, they okay. have the tools coming back, like anything from a drill to uh, brush hogs and little man lifts and 
ride behind dingoes and stuff like that. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. No uh, right after I left there, um, they started this thing where they had a like a third party coming and working on the stuff, and the guys inside the store were just turning stuff out and getting it ready to go back out. They weren't really working on anything. So I've heard from, I don't know if you listened to the, the podcast that I was a guest on, Sweat and Grime. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian said he used to work at, at Home Depot and he hated it. <laughs> was it bad? Uh, there were there were times where I liked it and times that I didn't. Um, main reason that I left there is um, I didn't really believe in promotion within the department. Mm. Like they wanted me to go be, become a department head in electrical or plumbing or whatever and I I wasn't in that department and had no idea what that was all about. And if Home Depot ever decided to be a sponsor of this fine podcast, I take back everything I've said <laughs> <laughs> about you. <laughs> anyway, sorry, uh, go on with your uh, your story there. So the uh, the uh, multi-brand uh, dealer that I worked for for about three years, I was on the rental side. Mm. Um, we were turning stuff out, loading, unloading customers, um, doing mostly minor repairs because um, of the speed that we had to move at. Um, and the major stuff went to the main shop. But uh worked there for about three years, and uh, my wife got her promotion to move us to central, north central Texas. <laughs> And uh, we went over there, and I didn't have space with that company in their location there. Oh, okay. So this is when I became the cat man. And, um, the cat man. <laughs> started over there, um, worked there for almost five years until the oil field found me. Um, I swore I'd never <laughs> live in, uh, based off the oil field, but it found me, and uh, here we are. In North Texas. So, what do you mean by the oil field found you and you end up in North Texas? So, most of the work that we had, there wasn't enough work for me to stay busy around that area. So, I had to travel to West Texas Uh, all the time. I was out there two, three weeks a month. And being married and a family man, I I couldn't, couldn't do that anymore. And... Yep. And then the hours started dwindling away because there was nothing to do because I've f- put my foot down and told them I'm done traveling. Yeah. I, I, as you've heard on my past episode, mm-hmm. one of them, we've, yep. we've discussed that. Um, and I don't blame you. So uh, where'd you end up from? Uh, you said you moved North Texas. And is this when you went to the new cat dealer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I moved over to a new, new cat dealer over here in North Texas and... Um, I've been there ever since. And you are currently a, a resident, correct? Yes, resident field tech for one of the largest dirt contractors in, in the Metroplex. Yeah, I know. I know the company quite well. Done quite a bit of work for them uh, when I was on the deer side. Um, <clears throat> so today's actually the, the first day that I've met Skeet Skeet here in, in person, but I've actually known him probably about two years known quote unquote um we've been friends on facebook for quite a long time and when i was wanting to get out of the deer uh dealership i actually contacted this guy because nobody would contact me back about trying to get on with cat and he wasn't much help either (laughs) (laughs) 
But, uh, yeah, so with you being a resident, uh, what, what's your day-to-day look like? Because um, this, I imagine you're pretty damn busy with this big customer. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty busy. Yes, um, haven't slowed down um, during the the pandemic, um, which is kind of surprising. Um, this construction industry is just insane mm-hmm. right now, and uh, so I'm I'm up typically four four thirty in the morning, um, out the door in the truck, driving down the road by five, um, so I can get to the Metroplex, get to the jobs before the sun comes up or when the sun comes up, so I can get started. Um, it takes me a little while longer to get to the job sites now than it did a few years ago because I moved into the boondocks. Yeah. Um, well, and you got all these damn Californians, you know, clogging up the roads and I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your fault. <laughs> but, uh, so without naming towns and stuff, do you have to travel pretty far to your job sites? Anywhere they need me. Yeah. To the hit. Cause I know one job site I've been working on as well as you, and that's pretty damn far down, you know, east, south, southeast, east, south. Um, so you're traveling all over, and do you get paid, like, drive time from when you leave to when you get home? Yes. Uh, being a resident, um, they pay me. If I'm in the truck, they're paying me. That's cool, man. And I know your company is, like, hard on about taking your lunch and stuff. Do you take your lunch? Or <laughs> I, I I eat on the road most of the time. But do um, they? You still have to clock out though, right? About thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, I, I remember that because I was talking to, um, I was talking to one of your coworkers, Tommy. Um, and I remember he was bitching. I have to take goddamn lunch, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny because when I worked at the deer dealership, I, they didn't give a shit. You know, yeah. we never took lunch. See, I just enter my time at the end of the day and knock out 30 minutes in the middle. And I got you. Oh, that's right, yeah, because you guys, you put your time in at the end of the day. And manually, we don't clock in and yeah, out like, like a shop tech does. Yeah, that's what we had to do. Clock in, clock out, clock in. Every fucking job. <laughs> so, um, anyway, sorry. Uh, typical day. Uh, I know you're traveling a lot, but uh, do you pull a lot of hours? Drug. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm running probably 12 to 14 hours a day most of the time. Um a lot of that is drive time. Um yeah. I I typically hit anywhere between 3, maybe 5, 6 machines a day. Mm-hmm. Um and they are spread out most of the time. And uh are you doing diagnostic and repair or are you more of like a dia guy for them? Um, most of their equipment is new. Um, so a lot of times after the diag, it's more or less a hour, hour and a half repair mm-hmm. because you swap a sensor out. Yeah. Or, something simple. Or, you know, have to perform a regen or something like that to, to finish out the job. But, um, because of contract obligations with them, um, me and, uh, my supervisor, your, your wife, um, <laughs> we have to, uh, work together to make sure that we can get that done in that time frame that they want us to get it done. Otherwise it needs to go to the shop. So are you mainly there for the new machines or are you working on older machines as well? When they can't figure out something with their own mechanics Uh, on the older stuff, that that's when they send us to go do it because they don't really want to pay the dealer rate for us to. So you're not popping tracks off and 
you know, repairing finals or anything like that. We really, actually, unless it's a new machine. We actually have an issue um, with final drives leaking. Uh-huh. Um, and um, Cat themselves sent us two final drives to swing in the field. So huh. we are swapping finals on the, on the D6 dozers okay. because of the issues we're having with them leaking. So it's like a, a pip or a fixes fail or something? Uh, yeah, fixes fail. I don't know what Cat calls. Uh, it, it it's not really a service letter. Um, oh, service there's, letter. There's a TIB, which is a technical bulletin, um, okay. about them leaking, but they know it's an issue. Because I know when, you know, <clears throat> on the deer side, it's called a PIP, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even remember what the fuck it stands for now. Product Improvement Yeah, program. there you go. <laughs> Jesus. You can tell how much I pay attention anymore. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. Uh, so I have a, I've got a, question for you uh, in regards to being a resident how often are you approached by said company uh to become to come over to work for them do they bug you a lot or no actually they're not allowed to Um, really we have no competes that's awesome Um, they're not allowed to hire us we're not allowed to hire them if uh, they want to come work for us or vice versa we gotta quit the job for 90 days or whatever yeah i got you yeah i was always curious about that because i've been approached you know i i actually used to be a resident for in a uh in a quarry um up north of us here and the guy my residence residency was ending because they had all cat machines and the owner of the company did not like the a deer technician was working on his cat machines and they wanted a i almost said the company name what you work for (laughs) uh they wanted a cat guy out there so they were going to pay more money just to not have a john deere guy working on their stuff and i just thought that was so funny but um before i left the guy that was in charge of the plant out there was like you need to come work for me you know you have great worth ethic work ethic and blah 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 and i'm like sorry man i I can't i can't come work for you it's not that you know we didn't have a no compete clause or nothing i just didn't want to work for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had it too good where I was at. So I, okay, that makes sense. But, uh, bouncing off of that, I know you got, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. So I'll let you explain it when it comes to the engineers for Caterpillar, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, do you work with them quite a bit and how does that work? So with this customer, they have one of the largest fleets of the new electric drive D6 dozers and um, the engineer that was originally the lead engineer when they first released this tractor I have worked with him for 10 years Um, Mm. I worked with him in West Texas on on projects and stuff too and uh, whenever he came down to teach a class on these dozers I was in that class and uh, that's where we reconnected um, our work relationship and uh we just kind of started bouncing ideas off of each other. And then whenever he got his promotion, the new guy came in and hmm. they flew down here and spent a couple of days doing site visits and stuff and took, you know, met with me and wanted to transition the work relationship from him to me, to me and the other guy. And we, we tried to make improvements on these to make uh, the dozers basically indestructible because i can tell you if it can be destroyed it will get destroyed oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's a no-brainer man (laughs) i got you so 
how often do you work with them? Uh, probably uh, three, four days a week sometimes, wow. just on the phone, um, especially when there's something new coming up um, as far as a new issue that's starting to become a reoccurring problem. Um, and parts availability. Um, yeah. I've, I've, he has saved me with parts availability, um, pulling stuff off the line <laughs> and sending it to me because we can't get the parts. Well, that's uh, well known around the world right now is parts availability. <clears throat> it's re- it's ridiculous. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, are you, now with, I guess there's more than one engineer. Do they do that quite often? Talking to technicians, or not, you got like a special relationship? Not that I really know of. Um, I I talk to them. Um, I guess mostly because I've known Kurt, the guy that. Um, <laughs> you could say his name if you uh, want. His name was his name was Kermit, um, and uh, I, I know I knew him for ten years. Mm-hmm. So um, that relationship, I guess, has helped continue this working relationship that we've had and it's nice having the inside man because when especially when there's something so new as as these electric dozers that no one really understands yet yeah it's easy to just reach out and say hey i'm seeing this have you seen it and then they say oh yeah it's this problem yeah for sure i got you um i kind of want to change it up because i didn't really get into it when we first started talking but uh when you first got in with Cat, did you? I guess you had a little experience working on machines, but was it like a fuck when I <laughs> when you first started? Like shit, I don't know nothing about it. How did did you, were you mentored or how did you get trained on all your Cat machines or how did you learn? So it's actually funny. Um, the only spot they had for me at the West Texas uh, Cat dealer mm-hmm. um, was a loop truck. So okay. I started out in a in a in a loop truck, running out and doing PMs and stuff, and um, that was actually the best way for me to learn the cat equipment because I was able to learn where everything was at on these machines. You know, that's what, pretty pretty smart actually. I yeah, didn't think what, about that. what kind of condition the machine is in yeah. after a certain amount of time and stuff like that, and then uh, on top of that, the technician training that's available to technicians, mm-hmm. I had. Oh, okay. Access to, so I was able to take those classes, and that's what eventually led to me going into the shop. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. I, that's kind of smart, actually. I didn't think about that because you can really learn the machines because you're all over those sons of bitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you know what we call um, lube truck guys? What's that? They're luber goobers. Luber goobers. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy's a lube tech at the deer dealership, and he—that's what he—he's a luber goober. <laughs> Yeah, it was not. It was not really a a fun job, f- for the sake of mm-hmm. uh, being a, a, just a thankless job. Yeah, you, you didn't really. But you got to know your shit when it comes to lubing and goobing, man. Uh, I couldn't do it. I hate changing oil and filters, and I I'll do it if I have to, but I will bitch and moan the whole time. Yeah. I can't stand it. I don't know what it is. I've just never liked it. Even working in automotive, I hated it. It was just stupid. But, uh, <clears throat> so, but, uh, <sighs> so now, 10 years in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, on the deer side, we get certified. Well, 
not anymore. I'm not a dealership guy. We got certified in each machine family. So, like, if you had uh, Mini X, you'd be certified. And then uh, Midsize Excavator, certified. PCE, which is the large excavator, you're certified, which we call capstones. Are you... How does that work on the cat side? So there's there's certificates you get with the courses. Um, they have some machine-specific courses that, that you can take. Most of their courses are general study. Um, yeah, don't they kind of treat the hydraulics. Cat, cat stuff like a, a college almost? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, they, they have... Um, they have hydraulics, and then you have electricity, and you go into electronics, and then you go to electronics troubleshooting. Mm. And so you get those certifications or the certificates from the classes, and that's how you get them. And with um, Caterpillar has regional training centers, and mm. this dealership happens to be one of them. Okay. So that certifies you with Caterpillar whenever you take those courses. I'm sure you have to start out with like core training, which is your basic hydraulics, basic electrical, and do they have a cat sis et training yeah that's a one day class but they do have sis and et training. i hate sis <laughs> the new sis is great you like it oh yeah i've heard uh, total opposite yeah there's some of these old school homers that they don't like change and they yeah. wanted to stay with the old stuff but it's so much easier to find stuff on this now everything's on one page you'd be looking at a parts breakdown yeah and the there's an article right there where you can click service articles, click on it, and anything related to that, as far as literature goes, service letters, disassembly mm. and assembly, it's listed right there. Yeah, so the that's the hardest part I have with deer is, like, if you're trying to do a major job, which I have to, because I, did I say deer? Yeah. Sorry, cat. Um, on the cat sis program, I have a hard time with, if I'm trying to do a job and I'm trying to, figure out the steps because I don't know nothing about cat. It'll say you need to do this, but refer to this manual. So you have to go search it out on this. Like when it comes to service advisor for deer, I think deer has it. They've got the best thing out there because in their steps, like if you're, let's just say you're pulling a cab off a machine, you got to drain the AC, blah, blah, blah. It gives you the steps instead of making you go refer to this manual it gives you the link and you click on it and it'll open it up either uh it'll take you to that page or you can open it up in a different page so you're you don't lose your 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 deal there so caterpillar actually has um something that they're starting to use more and more there's a um deal called channel 1 mm-hmm. um it's basically cat youtube and a lot of their procedures they have QR codes in them and there's animated powertrain oil flow videos for certain things or there's even a step-by-step video to show you how to take a cab off the new d6s or mm. you know stuff like that so that helps a lot yeah because i remember one day i got sent out and it just got done raining to one of our track or our older our 963d uh and it was throwing the timing code and i'm sitting there like well where's the timing you know and look and realize it's in the injection pump and so he's like, oh, I'll get you an inje- injection pump. We'll put it on. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I start reading through the thing, and you have to take the timing cover off. All this shit. And I'm like, hey, so we're not going to be able to do this right here. <laughs> he's like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to send it to the dealership, take care of it. Fine with me, because I don't want to fuck something up. 
and uh, I just thought that was that was wild. Yeah, and, and those those pumps can be a pain because uh, that sh- that gear on that shaft is uh, tapered. It's not yeah. It's not keyed or anything like that. So if that thing is off just a hair, it will throw that code and it will drive you absolutely bonkers. Yeah, and the only reason why I brought that up is because I started reading how to do it, and then it's like, well, remove timing cover. I'm like, shit. And then it's like, well, before you remove the timing cover, you have to drain the coolant. But you, I had to go back and forth between these manuals to figure out, like, fuck. So it, that's what I, I'm not happy with with the, the CatSys program is because it's just so all over the place. And uh, I think Deer's got it, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, I uh, are you a fully certified Jumping back to the the certification stuff, are you fully certified, or how? So all of the online courses that that Cat offers um, for technicians, I have taken okay. multiple times. Um, <laughs> we are we are really supposed to a lot of times when we're slow, we're supposed to utilize that time yeah. to train and stuff like that. But I I have taken those so many times, I am over it. I will read through TIBs, service <laughs> magazines, Channel One videos, whatever. Yeah. But uh, I, all of that stuff I have certificates for, um, and I have certificates for all of the basic training, hydraulics, tri- electronics, troubleshooting, stuff like that, some machine-specific courses, but there's a lot of these courses that that I haven't taken yet mm-hmm. that either really won't ever apply to what, what I do, yeah. like the 3500 series engines. Yeah. I don't work on those. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, there's even a 980 K class and that a K model is two models prior to what's out now. Hmm. So I, there's really no reason to take it other than getting the piece of paper. I got you. So here's a good one. So warranty certification warranty stuff, uh, on the deer side to do to get paid out on diagnostic for warranty you have to be certified in that machine family is it the same on the cat side no um i do know that there is a um class or a certification assessment for warranty mm, okay but i have it's not on the training path that they mm. have offered for us because uh, i was kind of curious about that because uh you know like if i were to come work for i almost said the name again <laughs> work for the cat dealer tomorrow or Monday, and I had to do a warranty job or diagnose and warranty. Would uh, would I get paid out on that diagnostic time? Yeah, yeah. We 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 get paid. We clock in on the job, and and you get paid as long as you can justify that the amount of time mm-hmm. you spend on it. You get paid for it. Cat, I like you. Uh, okay, well, that makes sense. So uh, enough about certifications but i'm trying to cover everything you know because all i've talked about on here is deer and so we're trying to we're trying to learn the new guys that you know that try i get approached a lot by um, guys wanting to get into the heavy equipment industry or become a field tech so i try to cover all all the bases especially when we're talking about something new um but before we get into like new guy or new technician or all that stuff uh, I kind of want to, since you're a resident and basically have been a resident since you started, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I kind of want to know your pluses and minuses of working for a dealership. Um, what do you think? Well, working for a dealership is, is great because it takes all of the, um, 
the weight off of your shoulder. Um, the minuses for it um, would be all the paperwork. Uh, yeah. that, I, I bet half of my day is doing service reports and typing up warranty sims and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, the uh, benefits, uh, as far as working for a dealer or even a private contractor, are, are also a huge plus. But um, going out on going out on your own, um, mm-hmm. you don't have that taken care of for you. Yeah. Um, so they take care of all that and they basically just say in November, Hey, sign up. <laughs> yeah. And, unless you've got a wife that has great benefits. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm uh, not going out on my own. I promise. Um, <clears throat> uh, also like in episode four, you know, I had my buddy on that I used to work with and we kind of talked, you know, pluses and minuses of dealership and, the, the good thing about working for a dealership is like tooling, special tooling is great. Cause I know if all these solo guys, you know, they're having to buy a lot of that and that shit gets expensive. So it's nice to probably have that on hand, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, when there's certain things that you can, um, uh, get to make the job easier. Now you could probably do it a different way, but you have to take a whole lot more crap off just to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are times where management will decide, oh, well, we really don't need that right now. Um, and I'm like, uh, hello, yeah. I, I have <laughs> I have 50 of these things running around. I need it. And then you end up just going out and buying the special meter that you need to test yeah. the generators. I got you. Oh, 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 I see what you're doing now. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about that one. Uh, you bought this thing. Was it expensive? Yeah, there were two different meters that you need to test the powertrain on the new D6 uh, electric drive dozer. And um, one of them, I was able to find something that was not a fluke. And it was because the fluke meter was $600. Mm. Um, but the X-Tech brand, um, one that I I, bought, I purchased from Granger was $300. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, milliohm meter, um, which tests the... Um, phases on the generators and motor um that is 550 dollars. Mm-hmm. it's an x-tech brand um Jeez. you can buy a different one but you're going to spend five thousand dollars good god so i spent i, I tied up eight hundred dollars eight hundred and fifty dollars in these two meters just to test these dozers out and i've used them three or four times and what is this what are you ex- exactly using what so what is this meter and what are you using it for exactly? Let's explain that. So the insulation tester shoots a thousand volts of electricity through mm-hmm. through a phase between phases to test the insulation of the phases. Okay. Between phases and phase to ground. Um, when you have a fault code for um, a ground fault or a phase, a high current, something like that, this is one of the tests you have to run to be able to figure out what part of the generator or motor is has failed. Um, the same goes for the uh, milliohm meter, but all you're doing is checking because this is a DC generator and a DC motor. You have six cables coming out of it instead of three, like an AC generator. <laughs> yeah. God. So the milliohm meter, you're testing the windings within phase A on your positive and your negative, phase B positive, negative, and so on. And um, you te- you it's it sends um. It senses the milliohms through the cur- through the circuit, and typically you're seeing a reading of about twelve point three. And when you have one that's reading thirteen point three or 
11.3 milliohms, then you know that there's an issue. They they want you to measure a 5% difference, hmm. um, let no more than a 5% difference. And it, I'm just trying to be informative, I guess, but is when you're checking these things, obviously there's a code or something, correct? And is it fucking up the machine? Are they still able to drive or... No, with these uh, electric drive dozers, when they start up, they go through a self-check. Uh-huh. The system will shoot up 50 volts um, <coughs> and, and do a, a quick self-test. And all this happens within three seconds. Oh, wow. But um, then it shoots up to just over 200 volts. And as long as it doesn't see anything crazy at that point, then it shoots up to the 715 volts DC. Jesus. Um, and it stays constant mm. to that uh, from the generator. Now, the motor gets different currents based on demand um but um the they they have the fail safes in place so that if it detects something early on in their self-test it won't let it do anything you can't release the parking brake you it it won't it won't even produce any electricity um just Hmm. so that it doesn't burn anything up now on these electric whatever these things are they're on trying to figure out how I want to word this but <clears throat> on on the on these machines oh shit I just hit the microphone uh I, do you have to like on a hybrid are they considered like a hybrid yeah I guess you could so, say that do they have capacitors that keep charge you know that you got to drain the voltage out or whatever it is or they do but I don't the know mach- nothing about hybrid the machine <laughs> pretty much does that so um one of the mistakes that they made was, you know, early on in tier four, how they have the little yellow amber light to tell you that it's mm-hmm. uh, purging the death. Yeah. Well, when they went to this, they moved that light to a little bitty light on the top of the hour meter inside that box. <laughs> and they used the same light for the hazardous voltage indicator. So when that the biggest problem we're having is whenever the operators get out, that yellow light they're used to seeing is out which Mm -hmm. is a hazardous voltage indicator indicating that it's below 50 volts um they just shut the switch off so that the def never gets purged (laughs) um but they're slowly learning not to do that i got you yeah Yeah, i was because i what you're talking about with these dozers i have no idea what the hell you're talking about and deer has uh their hybrid their big loaders Mm -hmm. and i was just getting into kind of learning about those before i left and so I don't know anything really about that side of, you know, of these machines. And it sounds like a pain in the fucking ass. It could be. Um, but I think my relationship with the engineers and the fact that I work on. So about six months ago, we did some metrics and um, this customer owned 7% of the world's population of the electric drive dozer, which doesn't sound like much. It's a lot. But 7% of the worldwide population is quite a bit. Yeah, that, that's almost 10%, guys. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> they actually owned uh, 35% of, the, of what this dealership has sold. I got you. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so, hmm, just trying to think here. New guys, don't work on these electric machines. I'm just kidding. Let's talk about new guys. Um, like I was saying earlier, I get approached quite often, you know, on 
since starting the certified podcast, certified wrench podcast deal, um, you know, what, what do you recommend for a young guy wanting to get into the heavy equipment industry? Well, first of all, do you want to eventually get into a truck? How, how do you want to do this? So what do you think? Like, how, <clears throat> what kind of, I guess it, I'm not necessarily saying advice for a new guy or anything like that. Like, what do you recommend? You know, uh, where do they start? And, you know, this is what you need to do to learn and blah, blah, blah. What do you think? Well, so if you're already if you're already employed as a low level tech and you're wanting to learn and maybe get out into a field, um, keep your head down. Listen to the older guys. Um, they tell you certain things for a reason. Um, a lot of times they will let you do it. You they will let you mess up, and um, <laughs> then they will tell you why you messed up, and yeah. then you won't ever do it again. Um, but uh, it you got to use your resources, but the biggest issue that the shops are having now is there's such an age gap yeah. in the shops that these older guys are on their way out and these newer people coming in, they don't, they don't know anything. Um, they yeah. may have went to school, um, and learned about diesel technology, but that's, uh, that's it. And when you're in the yellow iron, you don't need to know just diesel. You need to know hydraulics, electronics, mm-hmm. emissions, uh, yeah, emissions. That's a big part <laughs> of what we do. Yeah. It's uh, it, uh mm, I can't say any more that I deal with this. Uh but I've dealt with a few guys that they don't fucking want to listen. You know. Those are the guys that um you can tell them something um and you either hear crickets. Yeah. Um and, uh, or, you know, they're like, well, that doesn't sound right. Um, then, okay, okay then do it your we'll way. We'll help you next time. <laughs> you know, I've done it before. I've, I've, I've had to take certain things off that to make this job so much easier. And, uh, if you don't want to do it the way that I found to make it easier on yourself and mm-hmm. less struggle and less risk of doing it wrong, um, because a lot of times guys will try to replace hoses on these wiggle tail trucks uh, for the powertrain coolers by crawling up underneath the small space under the cab and trying to reach <laughs> down there where you can't see. Yeah. Well, if you pull the fuel tank off, they're right there in front of you. But, but that's extra work. It's extra work. Yep. Yeah, I, I was just going to... Uh, what the fuck was I... Oh, so my boss, my boss now, he's been in the deer industry since like 1981, something mm-hmm. like that. And every once in a while, that motherfucker will come through with something, and I just, it just blows me away. Like the other day, I was I was rebuilding a cylinder. I've done thousands of cylinders, but that stupid tight ceiling ring right in the middle of the the piston, mm-hmm. you know, they're a pain in the ass to get on. Or sometimes they stretch when you're trying to stretch it over. He's like, oh yeah, uh, this guy was telling me one time, take a zip tie and put it in there, loop the seal around the edge, and take that zip tie and walk that seal around. And so I'm like, that's not going to fucking work. He's like, yeah, let's try it out. And sure as shit, he walked that seal on no problem with the zip tie, (laughs) just looped it around it. And then we cut the zip tie off. And then, uh, I just, it just blew me away. It's like, okay, you're right. I'll listen to you next time. You know? (laughs) Yeah. There's more than one way to skin a cat. And one thing I got to give 
you were kind of talking about it, you know, take the fuel tank off, you know, make your life a hell of a lot easier. These new guys coming in, if you're going to go read the process, let's just say deer, uh, you're pulling something off or replacing something, you don't always have to take off everything that they recommend. There's ways to skate around stuff. Like I just did a job in the shop and it's a twin turbo nine liter deer engine and it says take off both turbos, all this stuff. And I'm like, you've got to take the second or the primary turbo off and there was no need for it. So you don't have to do everything. It says, you know, beat your time a little bit. That helps your efficiency. You know, if you don't got to drag your feet and do, do all the steps, don't do it. But if you need to, if you absolutely need to do it because that might bite you in the ass <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> later on, like, Oh, I don't need to take that off. And you find out, well, fuck, I actually do need to take that off. And then now I'm going to waste more time, you know, backtracking just, uh, just tricks of the trade, I guess. And then explaining why you have to replace a harness because you just ripped it in half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds like you might have done that. Uh, a time or two. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so instead of tool talk, we're going to talk about a little something different. Um, something that you don't hear very much about, but, uh, one of Skeeter's, uh, darkest days is when his truck got broken into. And, uh, why don't, uh, instead of me talking about, why don't you talk, you know, tell a story and what ended up happening so in the city, they don't allow large trucks. I had a Peterbilt at the time uh, to park in residential neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So I had to park it at the at the yard. Um, and uh, they had uh, cut a hole in the fence, um, busted the lock mechanism on the back of my truck, um, got into my cabinets, mm-hmm. stole everything. That morning, it was a Monday morning, I came in um, about 5 a.m. The uh, loop guys were already there. Um, I came around the corner and his face was pale as a ghost. And he said, dude, they got you. And mm-hmm. I said, what? <laughs> he said, they got you. And when I walked around the corner and saw the wide open cabinets and the trash and shit scattered everywhere, they mm-hmm. ransacked. They stole, they stole over 20 grand from me and 20 grand from the company. Um, Damn. They stole a suitcase welder out of the truck. No shit. Yeah. They... <laughs> They wiped me out, and uh, thank God for insurance. Um, the uh, Inland Marine insurance is what I highly recommend uh, someone to get. Um, we we use Great, Amer- Great American Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. Um, they have s- several types of policies you can get, but um, if you have a itemized list of what you've got, pictures, videos, something, um, Receipts, if you have them. Um, the question I got from the lady collecting the insurance was, um, well, do you have receipts for all of this? I, I said, uh, lady, this is 15 years of yeah. of gathering tools yeah. and bartering and trading and <clears throat> buying stuff at pawn shops. I don't have receipts for all that. And yeah. even if I did, they're faded. Yeah. Um, she said, well, do you have an inventory sheet? I said, yeah. So I, I sent her my inventory sheet um, and the pictures of the stuff that I did have pictures of and serial numbers and whatnot. And uh, it took about three weeks, but they cut me about a ninety-five percent payout um, to get my to recoup my money um, that I lost. And in the meantime, 
about a week of not doing anything because I didn't have any tools. <laughs> um, and my old manager was like, yeah, no, we need you going. So, yeah. um, he got with the VP and, um, they approved PO purchases for me to go buy tools to get wow. going. Um, so I went and did that and, uh, I had to pay the company back of, of course, course yeah. but that, that was, um, that was not a fun time in my life and that feeling in my stomach, I'll never forget. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of emotions. Yeah. That's, uh, <clears throat> I've, I've, uh, had a, a lock busted back in California, but I think they got spooked cause they only, they made it off with a, uh, a cheapo three quarter inch set from Harbor Freight and like a Bluetooth speaker and nothing like all my drawers were good, but it's, it's a definitely a, a, a feeling of being violated and, you know, that's my shit, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I mean, a lot of that stuff was given to me, you know, whether it be my stepdad, my mm-hmm. dad, my grandpa, you know, being a third, fourth generation mechanic, it, it's a, uh, it's a lot of stuff that that you've gathered from, you know, hand me downs, and mm-hmm. that stuff's gone. I just don't understand why people have to be, you know, like that. It just blows my fucking mind. Like, we're hardworking people. We buy our shit, and they just make off with it, you know, and pawn it or whatever they're doing. It just drives me absolutely insane. And I'd like to beat the shit out of every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if they were being picky and and nitpicking what they were taking but um or just got spooked like you said because um there was stuff like i had a a snap-on bore scope with a five millimeter camera that was in there Uh and they took a three-quarter drive extendable ratchet out of there and left the bore scope which didn't make a whole lot of (laughs) sense but that's probably because they got spooked they even stole my aluminum drain pan out of the truck probably to carry stuff <laughs> yeah in. oh yeah but, that, yeah that makes sense um, they took they wiped anything that was in a case or a holder they took it yeah that's a uh, <laughs> that sucks man Thieves, how, how man. long ago was that uh about uh, in march it'll be three years mm. and that prompted me to sell my house after that and move a little further out of the city because i was paranoid yeah of course it, it that's a whole nother story. <laughs> we don't need to get into that today. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely new guys or guys wanting to get in the truck, you know, inventory and insurance. Save your ass because I know a lot of guys that have lost their asses. And uh, umbrella policies are, are great, too, especially with homeowners insurance. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm not talking tools, you guys. Uh <laughs> this episode we're not talking tools because I'm, I'm if you guys got recommendations on what you want to talk about go ahead and you know send me something on instagram or email or whatever but i'm not getting into all that specialty tools but there was one thing i wanted to wanted to talk about um we don't have to talk about your manager or anything like that. Unless you want to talk shit. I mean, I could always talk shit on my wife. No, I don't, I don't really want to talk shit about her. She's the one that controls the work that I'm doing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We don't have to talk about that. So a buddy of mine, Chris, and, and uh, he's an ag tech out in California for John Deere. And we, I kind of discussed this on another podcast, but. I think you and I can talk about it and probably have a little bit more opinion on it. But, uh, his, his thing is, uh, 
the shit pay that technicians make and the fact that people think that techs are just a dime a dozen, um, we can definitely prove that fucking wrong easily. Um, I want to hear, uh, I guess your opinion on pay, you know, uh, and, and we could definitely talk about the dime a dozen thing, but how do you feel about pay these days? And, uh, could it be better or, or do you think it's good or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it could be better. Um, the, penny pinching of management a lot of times mm-hmm. is what holds back the pay. I mean, the pay is there a lot of times, but they just don't want to, to do it because they feel that it, and maybe it's not fair to the other guys or, yeah. you know, but you, you pay for knowledge, you pay for ability. Exactly. Thank um, you. you, you pay for, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you can send this guy out and he can get the job done. You know, um, yeah, you can hire any warm body off the street yeah. and they can come in thinking that they're going to make X <laughs> amount of money. But mm-hmm. in reality, you're just going to lose money because you're, you're, yeah, you're paying the guy, but he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty cozy where I'm at with pay. Um, but you know, you, you, some guys will tell you that you're underpaid and some guys will tell you that you're overpaid. So I don't know where to stand on it, to be honest with you. So my, my age a lot of times stands out to people. I'm 31. You know, some of these other people um, that are older are like, oh, you're just a kid, you know. But, I mean, I've been doing this since I was 15 years well, and old. And you have a lot of knowledge and you have great worth ethic. Work, I cannot fucking say that today. Work ethic. Um <laughs> <clears throat> so fuck them in the age thing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought on where I was going with that. Um, I've kind of learned over the past few years for a while there, I was chasing the dollar quitting jobs and, you know, like, Oh, this company offered me a dollar or two more an hour. But now it's, I'm to the point now it's like, well, I don't want to make too much money now and start making, you know, let's just say $45 an hour and then be topped out mm-hmm. and then make that till I retire type thing. You know what I mean? So now it's just kind of, I've just been going with the flow because I don't want to get paid top dollar now and then not be able to get any raises in the future. So becomes kind of a stalemate. Yeah, exactly. And then, then you get bored and like, well, fuck this. I'm not going to do this no more. But in our industry, I mean, if you want to start over, you can't because you're going to take a major pay cut. I have, even even whenever you've spent many years in a truck and you start making that, say, $45 an hour, mm-hmm. when you want to go into the next step, which would be maybe a supervisor role, you're, you're going to lose money, especially exactly. because you get overtime. Yeah. But you're still going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, and supervisor roles are usually salary. So... And you ain't working that eight to four, nine to five. You're constantly working as a supervisor. Depending on who you are. Exactly. But I mean, (laughs) never mind. No comment. Um, And this technicians are a dime a dozen thing. Uh, That is not true, especially right now. People are super hard to find. And, uh, I shouldn't say that. You can find anybody. You can. Good. 
qualified technicians. Yeah, yeah. So hard to find. There's a lot of times where I, I've got a job where I can see issues coming up with getting this done in the time frame that they're expecting, and I, I'm, I recommend it need to go to the shop. But at the same time, the shop's like, "Well, we can't get to it," and well, then we don't want to have to pay for a loaner and this. It comes, it goes back and forth. So then you just have to start doing it and hope you get it done within their time yeah. frame. Yeah. Um. So I, I that came off of the the questionnaire thing I did on Instagram, and I've got a couple more. Um, um, how about you? I don't think you have any experience in this, so I don't know if difference in working for a dealer versus uh, a private company like what I do. Um, do you have you, you haven't worked for a private company, have you? No, I have not. It's been dealership uh, pretty much ever since I was working for the father son company. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that real fast. The best, best thing I could say, um, private company versus dealership, uh, dealership wise, you're basically in my, where I came from, I was somebody's bitch. (laughs) And, all they care about from you is your efficiency. And uh, coming from that, I went to a private company, and my boss now, he's a very tough guy to work for, and I knew that going in, but him and I get along very well now. And when I first started, I came from a dealership, so I went out working on every machine trying to bust my ass and get it done as fast as I can, and he constantly told me, stop I want stuff done right you know like which I was fixing stuff right but he was constantly like just slow down he's like I don't care about that so that took me a long time to break that habit and now it's you know it's a gravy train um I still bust my ass a lot and but I don't have to worry about like oh fuck I need to get this done and worry about time and efficiency he just wants it done right and done you know we want to keep that machine going and uh, because basically now what I do, I'm costing the company money. I'm not making the company money. The the pipe layers and operators are all making the company money. So he's like, just do your thing. You know, I trust you. And uh, so that's, that's the big difference. And I really enjoy being private. And uh, I mean, if I had to go back to a dealer, I would, I guess I miss it. Sometimes I miss thing I miss most about it is I'm a diagnostic tech. I was for a long time. And sometimes day to day for me, it's, Hey, this thing needs, this thing blew a hydraulic line, go out and replace it. Or this thing won't start. It needs batteries, go out and change the batteries. And you know, it gets boring. But when that fucking, that problem child comes in, I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the hardest part for me is because I like that action. I like figuring stuff out. So sometimes I have a hard time with that and sometimes I get bored being with a private company because some days we're really slow and I'm working in the shop and that's not for me I'm a field guy so that's my opinion on it thank you uh I can't I don't know how to pronounce your name so I'm not going to say it I'll message you later (laughs) and say I used your your topic um I think there was one more that I wanted to talk about uh I don't really know where if you want to talk you know, if you have an opinion on this, but, um, Matt, the cowboy mechanic, he wants to talk about, uh, how to deal with 
the struggle of dealing with bad management. Um, he wants to hear it from other guys in their opinion. Do you, uh, do you have to deal with bad management anymore? I have had to deal with it in my career. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something that's very frustrating when it, when you are dealing with it. Um, the, the problem with being frustrated by it is it does you no good. Yeah. It, it's not going to change. You being mad about something's not going to change mm -hmm. the outcome. Um, so you just kind of have to let it roll off your sleeve. And if the management really is bad in time, it's it's going to show and yeah. they're going to be removed and sent, sent off somewhere else. Well, unfortunately, that, that's not the case all the time. I left the dealership, the deer dealership uh, here in Texas because I did not agree with the management and the way things were being handled towards the end. And I've been gone since uh, July of 2020, and they're still there. Um, and, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of the field guys and a lot of the shop techs, and they say it's still the same. And I, they've lost a lot of guys over the past year and a half, and they're not catching on to it. As long as the... Uh, higher ups are seeing the dollar signs rolling mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. They don't ever pay attention to the turnover. And I had a really huge problem, really big problem with the micromanagement of management. <laughs> there, I'm I'm trying to keep it from pointing fingers because as soon as I say what this management did, like what their position was, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not just pointing management out at one location i mean there's multiple locations and yeah it's it's everywhere and one of the reasons i work with your wife so well is because she she trusts that i can go out and take care of business mm -hmm. and so she just sends me what she wants me to go do and doesn't bother me yeah. because she knows i can get it taken care of unless i need something from her well it definitely helps with her i think having a husband that is a field technician so she kind of knows the ins and outs and like, okay, I, I know this guy can do his thing. I don't need to talk to him unless it's absolutely important. And, uh, yeah, that it definitely helps, I think. And kind of jumping into that real quick, have you ever had a female uh, manager? No, this was actually, well, whenever I ran the, the uh, uh, lube truck, when I started uh -huh. at the dealership in West Texas, um, I my manager not my direct report but my manager she she was uh female but um i didn't have to deal with her day in and day out um so this is my first female direct report but mm -hmm. it at first i'll admit i was skeptical of it <laughs> you know but yeah. um it was just kind of one of those deals where the supervisor i had got promoted and then we just got moved over yeah um because on episode four, my buddy Antonio that was on, she was his boss mm -hmm. at the deer dealer. And uh, she was mama bear for them. And uh, so I think, I'm hoping she's, you know, trying to do the same thing and, you know, taking care of everybody. But it was, listening to him talk about that, it was kind of hard to hear because she didn't want to leave, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have her on eventually. And we're going we're gonna to discuss all, all of it. And uh, kind of let everybody know know what happened, like detail wise, and because and the sexism 
that came with it when she came when we came here to Texas and went to the construction dealer because there was a lot of you know men, especially a coworker that no longer worked there. He got fired. Thank God he was a piece of shit and uh, straight up asked her when she started like, um, "Why are you working here? You know, why isn't your husband taking care of you?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Well, I've got my own things I need to pay for, and uh, you know." I'm going to make my own money type shit. But I, it it just blew me away that he would straight up just say something like that. You know, there's women don't belong in this industry type shit. Yeah. And it, it really came as no surprise whenever, um, she was hired as a supervisor Mm -hmm. because, um, uh, because that we already have a female, um, yeah. supervisor in yeah. in the uh, department mm-hmm. she came from a mechanical background yeah um so it it didn't surprise us but uh so far so good i've it's only really been a few months mm-hmm. um officially it's been less than a month uh working under her but um th- she's been dispatching me uh for ah, three or four months now yeah that's cool man i, I hope it works out for you guys i I'm not just saying that because it's my wife. And she can kiss my ass, but uh, <laughs> I told her yesterday I was going to talk shit about her, and she said she supported it. But I better not. Yeah, might as well. I mean, I could talk. I could talk all kinds of shit with her. I have to live with her. She's a pain in my ass. Um. Um. Hmm. I'm just trying to because I I haven't talked about any of this stuff in a while. Um, hmm. You know, a lot of guys ask about, you know, going independent and stuff, and I, I don't have any information on that. I was going to go independent when I left the deer dealer, and uh didn't really work out for me at the time. I, I, I got one. I got, I got this for you. Um, what is your like? What do you pl- What's your future plans, you know, working for this company or do you plan on, do you have any other plans that you'd like to do or? So, I I mean, the ultimate goal for, for most field guys is to, to be on your own and do your own yeah. thing. But um, as far as staying with the company, um, just c- continued tech level climbing and mm-hmm. eventually they, they, we have a position called diagnostic tech and there's a handful of them in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's the goal within the dealership to, to be at that level. Um, and then uh, when I'm old and broken and can't do this, I I would (laughs) like to become an instructor. Yeah. Um, the problem would be having to drive into the city every day in your own vehicle to do that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, um, I've, I've constantly thought and battled back and forth about going out on my own, but Mm -hmm. I'm, what I like to call an insurance whore. I, if I can get the insurance taken care of and not have to deal with that headache, then there's really no point in in going out on my own because I don't have to deal with the, the struggle of taking care of my family. Yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to be an instructor for the deer dealership, but I got told, uh, basically, <laughs> they... The way they said it to me, it was like basically, uh, yeah, right. That's not ever going to happen. You're too valuable as a field tech. But uh, I like teaching people. If I have the chance to have a new guy or whatever, you know, I'm like, I'm down to teach them because I have all this knowledge, you know, and it's just sitting there and like, 
it makes me feel good to be able to teach somebody, you know, so. But, nope, they're stuck in their ways over there, and I don't know. See, and I, I get phone calls from customers, mechanics all the time, even outside customer <clears throat> mechanics mm-hmm. um, that, that know me. They'll call me, ask me, because, you know, we, we have the inside track being the dealer. You know, yeah. they'll call and be, hey, can you help me out with this? Is there anything you can suggest? And a lot of times I'm able to help them, and then there's other times where I'm like, dude, that's a 30-year-old machine. I don't know jack about that. I said, you're going to have to call somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm, we're sitting at about a little little over an hour. Um, do you got anything you want to talk about? No, not that I can think of. Oh, you got a question right here on your questionnaire. What's it like working f- on the inferior yellow iron? And he's talking about deer. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that, that is right. I forgot about that question. What's what it, it like, like working on deer? It's uh, better than working on caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't know. <laughs> I honestly, man, I, it's just what I know. Uh, you know, I, I, work, I work on the cat machines that we have. Um, I, wor- I used to be a resident when I worked for the deer dealership, and they had all cat machines. And uh, it's it's my bread and butter. You know, deer's all I know, and it could be a pain in the ass. It could be super easy. It depends on what it is. Um, I think deer machines whether it's a mini excavator the smallest the skid steer all the way up to an 870g excavator or i think the dozers are great um especially the 850s um the only one i don't like are the hybrid machines i think they're junk and sorry deer but that's my opinion and i'm sticking to it um i hated working on them there's only so 944s I, i never got to see any of the the mid-size loaders that are hybrid but the in here in north texas there's four 944ks and they're the largest loader in the deer industry or deer fleet deer industry um and i hated i hated them just absolute junk you know they're slow and sluggish and they were just pain in the ass to work on <clears throat> but uh there was one one other thing I wanted to discuss with you before we close out. Um, you probably only know of one one program working for deer or working for deer working for cat. Uh, this guy asked, "What what is a good program to keep your service history records on for yourself?" Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do this one real quick, but. Service history, uh, so my company, you know, we're a private construction company, and uh, we use a a program, I think you can use it on just about anything, but it's called Basecamp, and it's pretty damn impressive. I mean, and you can, as long as you keep it updated and keep all your, you know, like, so for everything, every machine that we have, it's in there. And I just search the machine and go in and say, I replaced the tire pressure on this excavator um, today at so many hours. <laughs> Did you even catch that, what I said? Yeah. Tire pressure on this excavator. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, Basecamp, I think I have Basecamp 2. It's the newest version. And uh, for anybody that's solo or whatever and they want to keep track of what they're doing, I uh I definitely recommend Basecamp. I love it. 
and uh, it's easy to use and you can put pictures on whatever so anyway i have a question for you uh i stole this from the sweat and grime guys but uh if you could do anything uh like your dream job what would it be if i wasn't turning wrenches i'd mm-hmm. probably uh be uh on a, a barbecue uh business oh um, i'm a I like to smoke meat um, as much as possible. <laughs> meat. Uh, <laughs> that's cool, man. I, I didn't know that about yeah, you. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, tending to the pit, old school wood pit, uh, staying up all night, cooking a brisket for Christmas or smoking the turkey. Or You, you know you shouldn't have told me this, right? <laughs> now I'm going to have to come visit. Hey, anytime. If I have an excuse to smoke a brisket or turkey or something, I, I'm down for it. Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> I, I never knew that about you. Um. Do you, I know you kind of gave some advice for the new guys, but uh, I like to close out with uh, something like this, but do you got advice for, we can say if you're just getting into the industry or becoming a field tech or any of that stuff, young guys, or even fucking guys that have been stuck in the shop and they want to jump into the, jump into a truck. Do you got any advice for these guys? Um, yeah. Like I said, just continue to be willing to learn. Um, don't ever think that you know everything because you don't. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> I've worked with several guys that, that think that they know everything, and it t- tends to bite them in the ass. But um, just going from the shop to the field, I know the shiny tools and, and all that is cool mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the field, you're dealing with the elements. And you you drop that $75 wrench down in the belly pan, um, you're going to spend a, an hour get going after it, um, you know, or – $20 socket that that could fall out of the belly pan if they run it for 10 hours yeah you know um go just replace it with the cheaper shit because you're just you're just going to um struggle yeah no that's uh i'm it, we all have the same advice man just if you're a new guy make your brain a sponge i've said it before i'll say it again um you know, find you if you're if you're in a shop or going into a shop or anything. Find you a good mentor that's gonna you know want to teach you. Um, some of these old guys, the get the fuck away from me. I don't you know leave me alone. But find you a guy that you know is willing to help. If you want to come work with me, my job's hiring. <laughs> I'll teach you. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, I think we should close this thing out. This is a great episode. Yeah. I enjoyed talking with you, man. Um, I appreciate it. Anyways, uh, you guys know the drill. If you need to get a hold of me, you know, certified wrench podcast at gmail.com. And I'm on Instagram, certified wrench underscore podcast. And I am now on Facebook. Give me a follow. Give me a like. Give me a shout out. Share whatever you want to do. Um, anyways, appreciate, bleh, 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 bleh. appreciate you guys listening. Until um, next time, we'll see you guys. Thanks.